Welcome to Because and Effect, a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, where we talk to people about the causes that they care about and the effect that it has on their lives. My name is Nolan Bicknell. Oli Backstrom has been with SCE LifeWorks for a quarter of a century. 25 years of providing inclusive support and services to people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. As president and CEO of SCE LifeWorks, Oli has found meaning and purpose in helping others and helping educate communities on the abilities of all people. I guess selfishly, I found some meaning in my life, finding something that, you know, I believe in with all my heart. And I feel so lucky to have a chance to have a career out of trying to build this movement and um, playing some kind of role in that. I sat down with Oli Backstrom to talk about how businesses thrive when they hire inclusively, social evolution over the last two and a half decades, and his career building up and supporting people with developmental disabilities. Because there are Winnipeggers and Manitobans with developmental disabilities with unopened gifts and potentials yet to be realized. Backstrom, thank you for joining us on the Because and Effect podcast. It's happy to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. Well, happy to talk to you. I mean, I've seen you kind of around foundation events a lot, mm-hmm. and we've had brief interactions, but I'm excited to sit down and kind of learn about you and learn about SCE LifeWorks and just and Project Search and everything that uh, you have going on. Um, so maybe for people who haven't heard of SCE LifeWorks, give me the the, the pitch of what you guys do and uh, sort of the your your mandate and your mission. Sure, SE LifeWorks is a nonprofit organization, a registered charity, um, whose mission it is to support uh, people with developmental disabilities, which means intellectual disabilities and autism, to work and participate in the community. So we support about 275 people at any given time with a primary focus on employment in inclusive settings in the community. Right. And so you've been there for 25 years. Am I doing the math? That's right. right. That? Yeah. 25 years as of um, August, uh, I was hired for a three month term as a job coach. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you just parlayed that into a. Yeah, that's right. It's been a series of three month extensions ever <laughs> since then. And uh, so I just got re up for another three months. So what is yeah, that journey? Not, not really, <laughs> yeah. What's the journey been like? Like, tell me what what's, what was things back like back in 94? Because SE likes work. SE LifeWorks has been around since 85. You've been there since 94. Um, what has the journey been like? How has the public perception of people with intellectual disabilities changed over that quarter century? Right. That's a great question because um, so 1994 when I started, LifeWorks would have been providing services for about seven years at that point in time. It was known as Sturgeon Creek Enterprises at the time. Uh, it was started by a group of parents who initially wanted to make sure their sons and daughters who had intellectual disabilities or autism uh, were well supported in the community. And so, uh, you know, in 94, I entered into this work without knowing how people with intellectual disabilities were typically supported. And, you know, I happened to get involved with this organization that believed that people should be in the community where they could be valued for their efforts, uh, provided individualized support, not congregated, mm. and thus not stigmatized, you know, as that, that, you know, that group of, you know, different kinds of people, that kind of thing. So providing uh, inclusive supports, individual supports, and helping people find their fullest potential solely in inclusive settings. 
So we've never had that special place where people go because we think the pe- the place should be in the community where mm-hmm. people belong. Has that been, um, what? how have people changed? How have the parents changed? How has the knowledge of the average person changed when it comes to people um, with intellectual disabilities? Yeah, good question. Part of, um, so I'll backtrack to your first question in, and it'll connect sure. eventually, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, what I realized once I learned more about the field was that that kind of support, inclusive, individualized support in a community wasn't typical. And in some ways, n- not a lot has changed in that, you know, there are still a lot of people in Winnipeg and Manitoba with intellectual disabilities and, and autism who are supported in, who get kind of funneled into more uh, segregated or congregated support settings but I think the thing that has changed is that uh, I think that the community and and I think of the business community they're starting to build more points of reference of what people with I'll I'll say developmental disabilities to use the Mm -hmm. umbrella term to capture people with intellectual disabilities and autism what people are capable of so I think the more successful we are at you know, supporting people to find their good fit in the community where they can provide that valued, you know, have that valued role as an employee in an inclusive business, the more points of reference are built for other people to start getting their heads around. You know, we shouldn't be selling people short. People are capable of doing a lot more than what we give people credit for often. And, um, you know, uh, we work with a lot of great businesses and it feels like there is momentum building in the business community where more businesses are getting their head around hiring inclusively. And it's different for every single situation and in every single case, obviously. Yeah. What what are some of the benefits that uh, organizations are seeing that they probably didn't maybe understand they would be getting from hiring in an inclusive way like that? You know, I think that, um, you know, every every story is different, like you said. So, you know, uh, the stories I hear from businesses are, you know, when they hire someone who's a good fit and that person is valued and maybe that business is the first place where that person earned their first paycheck. So that is that means a lot to that employee and that earns a lot of, uh, you know, uh, trust and investment by that employee, often case, right? So, right. so you know, part of what I hear from some businesses is, you know, this employee I hired is, you know, here early, uh, they're enthusiastic about their work, and that rubs off on the rest of the team and improves our work culture. You know, we'll hear from other businesses about, you know, they're not hiring, they're hiring, you know, Businesses are in the business to make money, but, you know, they also want to find, you know, uh, make good business decisions. And part of what we want to do is make the business case for hiring people with disabilities. Um, you know, I think honestly, some businesses hire because that they believe that that is the right thing to do. Right. They want to have a business that has a workforce that reflects the community they, they serve. But I think they also see byproducts that positively affect their business. So something like 53% of the population 
either has a disability or is a family member of a disability or is a close friend of a person with a disability. Mm. And their purchasing decisions are influenced by whether they see a business that it has an inclusive work environment. Mm -hmm. And we, we honestly kind of foster that. We want to celebrate those businesses that are hiring inclusively uh, and get the word out. Not because they're doing anything special per se, but it's still somewhat the exception to the rule. And as such, we want, you know, we want people to know these are businesses that are good to support, not because, not solely because they are supportive, great business with great product, but because they're an inclusive employer. And caring about the community too, you know, that's, you kind of have the idea of the, the capitalist business that does only cares about their bottom line, but now more and more you're seeing very large organizations and companies that are caring about the community. Whether you, right. you know, it could be argued that they're doing that for their bottom line at the end of the day too. However, there are some very good people doing very good work and caring about that community. So when you see some of those big names doing it, Manitoba Hydro, for example, how do you feel when you're seeing them, that progression? Exactly. The, you know, one business person uh, whose name I may remember <laughs> uh, put it in a really unique way. And he said this, you know, a very successful um, uh, high-level executive uh with Walgreens, Richard Lewis, I okay. believe was his name. And he, he's retired and he said, you know, um, when I retire, what's not going to be my fond memory is how big of a portfolio I built for myself. What I want uh, my memory of my legacy to be what kind of impact I had in the lives of the people I had a chance to work with. Mm -hmm. And that was his driver. You know, part of that came from the fact that he happened to also be the father of a young man who is autistic. Mm. But, but I think more and more business people think that way and realize that it isn't just about the money. So you started on a three-month contract, essentially. <laughs> what, what kept you for 24 and nine-month years? After, what kept you for 25 years after that? Uh, I think from day one, I understood how important the work was. And um, and then, you know, coming to that realization that not everyone within a developmental disability is supported mm -hmm. to find their valued role in the community. And uh, that just, uh, it made it that much more important to me. You know, I... I you know, I guess selfishly, I found some meaning in my life, finding something that, you know, I believe in with all my heart. And I feel so lucky to, you know, have a chance to, you know, have a career out of well, trying so to build many, this movement. You know, and see, um, seeing so many kind of pegs that have the holes that could be fit and you just yeah. need to get them together. What are some stories over your career that really resonate with you and resonate with you and have stuck with you over the years? You know, there's, uh, oh, there's a few, let me think. Mm -hmm. And I want to be conscious of respecting people's privacy too. You know, there's, there's one fellow who we, we helped, uh, supported to find, uh, a job, uh, long story short, uh, you know, a really terrific job, uh, where he ended up getting benefits and pension and terrific pay. And uh, about a year and a half ago, someone let me know 
he bought his own house with uh, with the earnings that he had from that job. Um, I wish I could give more details, but I don't want to respect I mean, his that's privacy. A, that's a success but, uh, story if I've ever heard one. That that bowled me over, for sure. you know. So he's building a full life for himself. And if you solely, you know, if you are a politician solely looking through this through a fiscal lens, it, it ticks all the boxes too. He's a, he's a tax-paying citizen now. He's paying property taxes. You know, he's... But... But he built this life for himself, and uh, all he needed was a leg up to get connected with that job. Yeah, it's just the connection, right? Yeah. Is, is, are, do people overestimate the amount of work, or do they think, like, what are some stigmas of, of, from organizations that think, like, oh, I don't know if we can take this on, or what are some of the, the hurdles that you have to overcome, or sort of the education points that you have to hit to get these people to understand? Yeah, I think there is a fear of an unknown. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think... Um, you know, I've never hired a person with a developmental disability before, so do I need some special training to do that or anything like that? And and that, that typically is not the case. You know, people are people. Uh, everyone is accommodated typically to some degree for something. And so we want to, you know, if someone needs some kind of accommodation, it's typically, it typically doesn't cost anything. The accommodation may be our job coach parachuting in from time to time to see how things are going, or an employment consultant touching base or helping with some training if someone's learning a new task. So it typically doesn't cost a business anything. Um, you know, I think there there might be a fear of honestly, what if things don't go well, mm-hmm. right? And that is a risk with any employee a business is hiring. Mm-hmm. And so our our take on that is, you know, we want to support a person to be successful, and they want to, we want to make sure that people have a fair shake for success, you know. But if, you know, if there's say, God forbid, a performance uh, challenge, you know, we'll work through that with the employer and the employee. But that employer should never feel trapped either, you know. I think some employers f- worry about, am I. Am I stuck with a situation that just seems like a tough fit? And our answer is no. You know, That's good. if something isn't working, it, it needs to be resolved. And sometimes that means someone moving on to a different job that's a better fit for them. And and so, yeah, that's you know, fair. yeah. Um, I don't know if you'll be able to answer this, but perhaps you have an opinion. How do you feel about the? representation in media for people with uh, developmental disabilities. Do you think that that is detrimental to when people sort of see movies or TV shows wi- with maybe insensitive cliches? Oh, that's Have you ever had moments where you're like, oh, I wish they, that's not really how people are or that I really wish they didn't say that or anything like that? That's a great question. And it's a, it's a fascinating It's like fear one. of the unknown is almost, yeah. it's based on knowledge that you, that that's based in, either cliche or stereotype or whatever, right? So I'm wondering if your experiences have, have let you think that in some yeah. ways. Well, context is everything. Mm. So, you know, there was a viral video a week or two ago of a baby who happened to have Down syndrome, who I think the video was basically the baby smiling and giving eye contact to uh, his mother, her, her mother, I can't remember the gender of the baby. So, So it's one thing for, you know, there are there are videos that circulate of any baby that is smiling and making eye contact with a mother and 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 uh, but 
I saw there was an, a TV news program that tweeted this out as a news story. And I thought, you know, hmm. it is beautiful. And, uh, you know, uh, it, who doesn't love a baby smiling at their mother and making eye contact with their mother? But that is also typical. And it's also, n it's not uncommon for a baby with Down syndrome to smile and make eye contact with their mother. Mm -hmm. So don't make it out to be something special. The unintended consequence of, of something like that, I feel like, is it kind of sets that baby up as the other still. Right. You know, so. That's a great perspective, yeah. So that's one example. You know, I think, um, trying to think of other examples, you know, uh, often there will be viral videos where, you know, someone who does not have any parent disability does something nice for a person with a disability. And that will go viral because that's how heartwarming, you know? Someone does something nice for another human being, what's wrong with that? But the unintended consequence of kind of sharing those kinds of viral videos is this byproduct of there's this kind of undercurrent of... There's still a separation. Sense, separation, a sense of charity, kind of an underlying sense of pity for the person with a disability mm -hmm. that, you know, I, so I, I'm really, I, you know, I may have been guilty of it myself at some point in time, but I think that's a fascinating, and this, especially in this age of social media when things go viral and get shared. Very much like, so. Yeah, I get why people are, why their hearts are warm by that, but sometimes there's something else happening, uh, some unintended consequences of those kinds of viral videos. So Definitely. I don't know if that answers. No, your absolutely, question. and it's a good perspective to have. Yeah, in this era, for sure. Do you think there's still ways to go when it comes to sort of how um, awoken people are? with intellectual disabilities and people with developmental disabilities? Yes, I, absolutely. You know, I think, honestly, when a person thinks of a person with a, an intellectual disability, the first thing that likely comes to mind is Special Olympics because that is kind of the primary kind of common point of reference and uh, there's nothing wrong with Special Olympics. But it's also not typical day-to-day -day life. So mm. part of what... For, you know, I'd love for the general public to start building an, a, a strong point of reference for more typical roles, uh, especially employment. Yeah, and know. having someone in the workplace and just interacting day to day, yeah. you know, like seeing them at the water cooler and it's, having a conversation. Exactly. It's not a special situation. It's just it's just regular. Right. And then having and that kind of maybe not even purposefully, but just breaks down barriers on per, you know, That's as, right. having those experiences, right? So what what uh, do you say to the businesses who haven't yet had these experiences and you would like to sort of bring them into the tent and bring them into the umbrella? Um, I think I'd like to assure them that, um, you know, if I was ever meeting with a business, um, at the end of the day, whatever we talk about, I recognize it has to work for them. So walking into a given business, 
You know, if I walk into a restaurant, I've worked in a restaurant in my past life, I have a sense of what happens, and so I might be able to make a pretty quick determination about, do we work with someone who's a good fit here? But, you know, a lot of businesses I don't have that experience with, so part of what I need to do is, you know, let my curiosity uh, take control and just listen to the that business leader about, you know, how do things work? What are their challenges? Do they have any problems? Are there areas where they do have staff turnover? What kinds of different roles do they have? You know, do a walkthrough, an informational interview, and a and, uh, little tour of their business so we have an understanding of how things actually work. Mm -hmm. And then we can determine whether we work with someone who's a good fit or not. And if we don't, let's, let's keep that relationship alive mm -hmm. Uh, because uh, just because we don't have someone who's a good fit now doesn't mean we don't have someone who's a good fit later when they have another opening or another need sure. that opens up. So those are the kinds of relationships we want to build with business. The last thing we should be doing is connecting people with a business for whom there isn't a good fit, mm -hmm. either for the tasks or for the work culture. So I think we've made progress in that. You know, I think earlier... In, in, you know, the kind of the supported employment movement, there might have been efforts where let's try anything and see if it sticks. And we've realized for years now that that's not a good way forward mm -hmm. because that, you know, that alienates people uh, and it sours businesses on their experiences. And so we are, we are pretty committed to making sure there's that good fit. For sure. What are some of those, I mean, you talked about the, the young men buying a house. What are some of the gratifying experiences that you've seen or feedback that you've gotten from people who, aside from that, maybe even from parents? Or what, what do people say when, when there is a good fit in that and it all kind of cohesively comes together? What is the response? I think seeing uh, the growing independence, the growing confidence, uh, that 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 you know son or daughter has if we're talking from a parental perspective um, you know part of what we're doing is building new points of reference for parents too who you know and and parent parents come from all kinds of places too you know they might have been told for a good part of their life that uh, that their sons and daughters were only going to be capable of this or that you know the focus of those conversations might have been more on their limitations. And so I think for some parents, you know, if we can, you know, I also want to be careful of not selling, <laughs> writing checks before we can cash them in the sense of, you know, so we'll support your son or daughter problems, and they'll yeah. be able to do everything. Right. That isn't the case. But we're willing to try a few different things. And even if there were some preconceived notions about some, what someone was capable of. Let's test those notions and see if they're right or wrong because someone might, you know, more oft often people will show us, wow, uh, they're, they're really good at this set of tasks and no one would have guessed it beforehand. But now they've been given a chance to try it and they're good at it and they like doing it. So Yeah, I think a lot of the last generation's sort of understanding of this whole war universe was very limited, and I think we're still 
learning as we go too. That's so, right. you know, like just trying to new things and trying new partnerships and putting people in positions that they weren't necessarily allowed to even take before is now just opening up a whole new world of opportunity. As we are, right. you know, we're still, yeah. we're still on that journey too. Yeah. So tell me about Project Search. What exactly is it and, and how is it uh, helping you guys move forward? Project Search is something that SC LifeWorks has been involved with for uh, just over 10 years now. Um, I heard about it in 2008. It's a school-to-work transition model where uh, high school students with developmental disabilities in what would have been their last year of school Instead of going to school, they're fully embedded with a large business. So sometimes in high school, uh, people with developmental dis disabilities will parachute in for some work experiences. You know, typically it might be for a part of a morning or a part afternoon for some time-limited endeavor. This is different in that being fully embedded with the business means that that young, that high school student has to take on the persona of someone who works for that large business and has to kind of shake off that persona of a high school student. They're embedded with a team made up of a teacher and a three skills trainer. So it's typically 12 students, one teacher, three skills trainers. And so those students rotate through three internships and uh, they're unpaid internships. As inter as work experiences are typically school. in mm -hmm. high school. Uh, and there's no guarantee for employment from the from the site host, but it's just this: it is an invaluable opportunity for that young person to get their work legs, learn some new tasks, learn about themselves, about what they are good at, what they struggle with, what they like doing, what they don't like doing, um, in a really supportive setting, and. It's also a chance for us as an organization to get these young, to know these young people. So when they graduate out of Project Search and hit the ground running as job seekers, we know what, all about that young person and what, what drives them. But it's also a point of reference that for the large businesses that participate, uh, because typically, you know, uh, we, we have two sites in Winnipeg. Uh, one was started in 2011 with Manitoba Hydro, co-site hosted by the government of Manitoba. And then the second site started uh, in 2016 with HSC Winnipeg. So they're, they're all organizations that have, you know, they want a diverse workforce that includes people with developmental disabilities. But when the rubber hits the road, they have the same problem as everyone else. Their points of reference are limited, you know, what people typically see people doing uh, in the community, people with developmental disabilities are, there, there are some typical kinds of jobs. Uh, you know, often they involve uh, sometimes very simple jobs, the kind like clearing the trays off of cafeteria tables, sometimes basic cleaning tasks, those kinds of things. Erin Riley was the founder of Project Search, and the way she put it was, that's honorable work. The world doesn't turn properly if someone isn't doing that work well. Mm -hmm. But we're not honoring the people we serve if that's all we have to offer them. And so these students being embedded with these site hosts, trying different tasks, you know, and some of them may be cleaning tasks, but 
some of them may be more warehouse tasks, you know, getting the requisition form, fulfilling the order by going through the aisles and sourcing the items or the packing part of the warehouse work or or complex filing at HSC Winnipeg or every aspect of food services at HSC Winnipeg, patient food service or or working at the cafeteria, working at the stir fry station, if if it's a good fit for the student working the cash, you know, uh, linen services uh, within the hospital, a little bit like warehouse work, get the requisition form. Which numbers or what kinds of linens have to be fulfilled in this cart? You know, those are all transferable skills that are, are going to benefit that student. So it's all about finding a good fit and then opening the door and just trying. And if yeah. it works, great. And that allows the employer to be like, oh, that did that worked amazingly last time. Let's keep doing this. Or what else? What else are they capable of? Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. And the byproduct of that has been that Manitoba Hydro, Government of Manitoba, HSC Winnipeg, has hired people they wouldn't have typically hired because now they have this point of reference. And, and, and they're project search students that, that they saw excel in their rotation in project search. And so typically it'll say, they'll, it'll start with a term position after project search that gets renewed and occasionally parlays into someone that think permanent. It's huge. Yeah. The majority of students, uh, project search students, graduate out of project search as job seekers, but many have been connected with other jobs because they're, sometimes the third rotation happens in the community. So Feast Cafe Bistro, Air Canada, wow. Parian Logistics, uh, Rich Lou Industries, you know, they've all hired former uh, Manitoba Liquor, or Liquor Mart. They've all hired students uh, with, from Project Search because they had a chance to build that point of reference. If there's parents listening right now or organizations or young people who think that they could perhaps participate in Project Search, what, where, what's the process like? How do you find the information and where do you go? Um, go to the SCE LifeWorks website and uh, on the front page there's a hot link to the Project Search page. Uh, also my contact information is there. So we are now, you know, the application and information package is put together for the 2020, 2021 year, right? And, uh, our deadline for application is January 31st, 2020. Okay. And, um, in February we have a kind of a functional interview. We have, uh, applicants try a few different tasks and plus an interview we let people know in March if they're accepted. Um, and then we go from there. So we have uh, 12 seats at Manitoba Hydro Government of Manitoba, 12 seats at HSC Winnipeg. Uh, right now, all of the school divisions within Winnipeg are participating. as So they fund us to execute project search. And That's so we're huge. so grateful for the school division support. Uh, St. River and Sunrise School Division also participate if they have a student who's a good fit and can make it into town. Occasionally, other divisions like Prairie Rose, Red River Valley will participate as well. So um, if they want to hear more about Project Search, they're welcome to contact me. Fantastic. So SCE LifeWorks is the website to go to. Fantastic. Um, Is there anything else you wanted to say about Project Search or about SCE before we parlay into the uh, final questions? No, uh, other than uh, the Winnipeg Foundation has been a huge 
supporter uh, on a number of levels for SC LifeWorks, whether it be, you know, when Project Search started, um, we had a, a need for a part-time coordinator to just help us build some capacity for the first three years. The control and all the influx right. of applications, I'm sure, when yeah, it first launched. That's right. And yeah. so, you know, I still remember a meeting in, I think it was 2010, uh, when Rick Lucier we were still trying to rally the troops, get the school divisions on board and bring the site hosts on board. And, and Rick stood up and said, this, this is exactly the kind of project that Winnipeg Foundation would get, get behind. And he couldn't make any promises. Mm -hmm. But in a way, it was his standing up and saying, this, this makes sense and I think we'd be able to get behind it. On a lot of that, levels, too. That on yeah. a lot of levels, that kind of helped build momentum and get other partners on board and you know that that meant a lot the winnipeg foundation is going to get behind it and they did you know the the winnipeg foundation funded that position for three years and then add to you know our endowment fund crossed a half a million mark uh, oh, wow. most recently and the winnipeg foundation has been so supportive of that as well Great. staff development uh that the fast pitch experience i had earlier this year was fantastic right let's yeah. talk well let's talk briefly talk about fast okay. pitch so i mean basically it's dragon's den for the nonprofit yeah. sector you had to go up on stage and give a three-minute pitch right and the mic would be cut at three minutes what was that experience like for you um were you excited at first did you know what you were getting into um you was know i thought i knew what i was getting into <laughs> but um you know honestly it was one of the best staff development opportunities I've had in years. And uh, just to be coached uh, to hone a message. Um, and the, you know, the pitch was for $10,000, but, but it gave me a chance to hone a message that hopefully resonates with people in a different way I've been messaging things before. So, you know, out of that, I had a chance to tell uh, Yari's story. That's, I know that's on the YouTube site for Winnipeg Foundation. But part of what I was able to say that I hadn't really said before was, you know, the people we support uh, to find employment, you know, it, this last year they've earned $1.5 million in wages. That's real money in their pockets. However, there's so much more work to do. 5% uh, of Manitobans with intellectual disabilities work and earn at least minimum wage and work at least 20 hours per week. So there's, we have made an impact, but there's so much more work to do. That was important messaging just for myself, but it was that journey through uh, Fast Pitch that helped me kind of frame and firm that up and share that message too. Yeah. I remember your pitch. It was beautiful and, and definitely one of the more memorable ones from that year, for sure. Um, yeah, so at the end of our time together, uh, I ask the same seven questions. We call it the Just Because segment, okay. and uh, you can just fire it off off the top of your head, and we'll see where it goes. Sound sure. good? Sure. Question one, what is the very first cause you actually even remember caring about? The very first cause I remember caring about... Um, uh, it might have been uh, it might have been cancer my my mom passed away yeah. early in life uh, from from cancer and so that that might have been the first one to be uh, honest what, with you how old are you if you'd mind me asking um uh, when she passed away I was 18 oh, okay yeah. yeah it's very young 
Um, so if money, question two, if money, politics, and logistics were no issue at all, what's the first thing you would do in support of your current cause? Oh, <laughs> what's the first? That's a great question. It's like the, if the world was an oyster, hmm. What would you do? I think, uh, honestly, the first thing I would do is hire a team of people to help us tell the stories of employment inclusion in a variety of ways to build up those points of reference in the community because the stories are there but to build that capacity to tell those stories effectively i think would be really important and valuable yeah without sort of the you know virality or the token nature sometimes when you see those videos or things you know right. if you have a, a truly um authentic story it's it's a lot different than just sort of the 30 second blurb that you see here or there yeah that's yeah, right for sure that's a great answer uh question three what, we've talked about this a little bit but what's the biggest misunderstanding or stigma about the cause the biggest one about the cause yeah. that we work with yeah. you know this is top of mind for me i there's a stigma from the public and there's a stigma from you know uh hmm can I come back to that sure, one? Sure, <laughs> yeah. Pause, question three. Uh, question four, what's a time in your life where you had to pivot because a plan wasn't necessarily working? Oh, that's a great question, and there's probably been an, a few examples of that. Um, you know, in 2010, we were really building momentum for Project Search, and uh, we, we, had, we thought we, we almost had a critical mass of school divisions on board. Uh, we had one of our two site hosts secured, but there was a time-sensitive nature to what we were doing. The school division is needed to know, you know, uh, by springtime whether, you know, they, they would be referring students or planning something else for their students, understandably. But we just didn't, couldn't quite put it to bed uh, because one site host still had some things they needed to work through with us. And so... Um, there was a risk of completely losing momentum there, and it would have been easy to just say, let's cut our losses. This was too much work already, and uh, but that was not uh, uh, that was not the journey we, I picked or we picked. You know, we we pushed through it, and we said, I think it's going to take one more year for, to get this thing started, but let's take the time to do it right, and it'll be worth it. You know, and try to keep the enthusiasm and the confidence of the, of the partners up in the meantime. So th I guess that's my example. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, question five. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Um, oh, boy, there's been a lot. Uh, when I started becoming a, a, a leader, um, you know, someone told me uh, it's, a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And so take care of yourself. Uh, so uh, I've had to learn that in different ways over the years. So uh, one manifestation of that is just making sure I'm exercising. That is my number one stress buster. And uh, so um, take care of yourself, no matter what position you're in. Uh, it's stress. This is it's great work, but it can be stressful. So. For sure, just the mental health aspect yeah. of things, of constantly seeing situations that would be 
stressful for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's right. That's huge. Uh, question six. What advice would you give your 10-year-old self if you could talk to him right now? Wow. Uh, hang in there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you need to have that said to you at yes, one point? Yes, I, I think so. Yep. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd say hang in there, buddy. What would you have, what would the 10 year old version of you have said if you heard, if you heard that? Um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. I think, I think hang in there, buddy. It'll be worth it. You know, you know, just that, you know, I think my 10 year old self experienced some bullying and that kind of thing. So, you know, I think it was a bit of a discouraging time in some ways for me. So, uh, yeah. So I'd, I'd say hang in there, you know, you, you are going to get through this and uh, you're going to find your path and and uh that's good advice for any young person yeah uh let's skip back to the question that we skipped what's the biggest misunderstanding or stigma about the cause Hmm. you know i think uh, when people hear about us and have a surface understanding of what we do there's still an assumption that actually that we still have a workshop or a place where people go or a place where people congregate. And so, um, it's, it, I, I enjoy, I, I have fun with saying, yeah, you know what? The special place where people belong is actually in the community. Uh, when SE LifeWorks started, when it was Sturgeon Creek Enterprises, I think the parents and the first core team that started it, they rented an office so small that it would have been impossible for people to congregate. They didn't even have a lunchroom. And I think they were so vigilant. And I think that was wise. That because, you know, you, you get a bit more space. History happens. There's a bit of staff turnover. And it's easy to kind of lose that vision. Oh, maybe we should do some in-house stuff here. And then time passes. And suddenly you have this segregated, congregated program. And so, I th- yeah, anyways. Yeah, and no, it's all about incorporating yeah. and c- connecting people and just being one humanity. Yeah, exactly. For sure. So last question. It's the hardest one. That's why we save it for last. Uh, what do you want to be remembered for? Um, I hope I played a role in, in building and sharing those points of reference of employment success for people with developmental disabilities that others can continue building on. I'm really conscious of the fact that there were people before me who, who laid, who did a foundational important work that I had a chance to build on. And so I hope, I hope that people have a chance to build on the work I've had a chance to do. Great answer. Well, thank you, Oli, for talking to us. Good luck with everything in the future that you've got. And here's to 25 more years with uh, SCE as the yeah. president and CEO. Yeah. Maybe not 25, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, absolutely. I love more. the work and I, I'm not going anywhere. So thanks so much for letting uh, letting me share a little bit about our story. It's and our SCE pleasure. Lifeworks. It's absolutely our pleasure. Thanks again. Thanks. Thank you again to Oli Backstrom for the wonderful conversation. Such a such a wonderful man, and uh, it was really inspiring to hear someone who's 
you know, that perspective of, of being able to devote your life to an underserved portion of our community for sure and, and really kind of helping shine some light on why it's important to hire inclusively and some of the benefits of, of that different businesses can have when they do so. Thank you for listening. Um, really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Hopefully you've supported by subscribing and uh, if you want, you can share this with a friend or a family member or anyone that you think would benefit. There's so many different episodes and so many different conversations that I think uh, are really worth listening to hopefully you agree and uh, if you can share it it means the world to us and thank you again for all your support all music on the because and effect podcast is composed and produced by trenton burton you can hear his music at trentonburton.com and i think he has a new song out again i we, we promoted it last week but if you go to trentonburton.com you can hear his music and it's very soothing very nice and uh, congratulations to him for all of his success Special thank you to Sonny Promolo, Robert Zirk, and Jeremy Morantz for production assistance on the podcast. And thank you to Bertine Schmitz for helping market the podcast as well. I appreciate all of your hard work. Because An Effect is a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation. You can follow us on social media by searching at WPGFDN on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nolan Bicknell. That's all for Because An Effect this week. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off. You can see us next Tuesday, same time, same place. And remember, strong people don't put others down. They lift them up. Bye-bye.